what's up? Brig obviously doesn't listen. He obviously doesn't listen enough to the podcast to know that we don't really intro it and we're really terrible at it. So yeah, I'm waiting for my my cue up. We just throw up in the beginning of each episode. Yeah, we're so nervous. <laughs> hey, I'm Brenna and I'm AC and welcome to an obsessive nature where we're geeks but we're also writers now. Are you drinking a limerita thing? Oh yeah, mango rita. <laughs> um, it- it is a Wednesday. What are you doing day drinking? I know. And day drinking at 529. 5.30. <laughs> like, what? You're smoking uh, weed at 4.20? I accidentally took 4.20 off. Like, I didn't accidentally take it off. I took it off, but, like, not for that reason. And then I was, like, really self-conscious about it. Like, they thought I was taking it off for that reason. Oh, I forgot today is 4.20. <laughs> today is 4.20, yeah. Oh, that's funny. Hello and welcome. We have a very special guest on our podcast today, an old friend and fabulous individual, a kind <laughs> heart, and um, I don't know how else to describe you. I'm just pretty sure at this point, Brenna's holding a gun to you to say all these wonderful things. No, I feel like I'm nicer <laughs> in many ways than Brenna is. Not in all the ways. Not in all the ways, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're equally nice and mean. Uh, so yeah, this is Brig, and we've known him since me kindergarten so i was there in kindergarten I but i was young for my or at the cutoff and then did kindergarten again especially after the horrible kindergarten class that i was with <laughs> yeah that grade above us was ooh. i'm glad that brig ended up in our class because i was ultimately compared to other years was like we got along pretty well and then we had our reunion last year and that was really fun yeah i mean there was that one time during a soccer game that i kicked you yeah i mean my first memory of you is a negative one yes but but the reunion was wonderful yeah brennan just bullied me all through fifth and fourth grade i'm pretty sure no we played tamagotchis together i okay so that's a, that's a false memory i never owned tamagotchi <laughs> so you, you seem well, to be thinking you of were there else. We we were we didn't really become friends till like fifth grade, and then That's we got true. a lot closer in high school. She so. was always that tall, lanky girl in the other class because we were never in the same class together. No, you did trip me that one time, and oh, that was until, got so mad. But until it was like Marilyn Holland was so angry as if I was bullying you. <laughs> and I guess just to reinsert myself back into the narrative, Brig and I were relative, or we were probably closest to middle school. Right? Yes, yes. Because we were that like group of kind of losers that we sat weren't going to play at sports. Recess. Yeah, and just yeah. talked, <laughs> gossiped. I mean, I didn't. We're going to sit over here and gossip and discuss the latest and greatest news. Different times back then. There were no cell phones really. It was Yumi, Zach, and Carrie, right? Carrie, and then sometimes Benjamin Calvo, and I would say. Oh, yeah. Okay, so wait. Else. Everybody except for Carrie, as far as I know is gay to some degree. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, but you could always be surprised. Carrie listens. Or at least she listens. That's listened true. Well, Carrie, if you're yeah. still listening, hello. Yeah. Thank I you took, for looking out I, for I, people I, who were suspected as queer <laughs> and fake coming out. <laughs> and <laughs> all of my party. drama that I always asked you about and you always helped me. So yeah, we, Brig and I and Anna Claire, and we all went to different high schools, but we all stayed close. And yeah, mm-hmm. that's about it. That's so. right. We all did go to different high schools. Everyone went there. But I was the closest lives. to you in high school because of, still because of STA. Okay, Brig, first I want you to tell us if there's anything that we missed in our introduction of you, and then specifically, <laughs> like, stuff about you as an adult working individual. Like, sure. Just give us- anything you missed from me? In the, um, uh, one day I will be a millionaire, and I will okay. jet around the world, and mm-hmm. I will have several different houses. And yes, these are the life goals I aspire to be as a poor starving Okay, artist. Jeffree Star. 
Excuse me. Excuse me. Those are some kind of shots fired. I am not a fan of the beauty influencer community. Let's let that be known. Um, We're racist. What else about me? I am living my best life and was living great right until March 13th. And the pandemic has taken me on a different road. Your birthday is March Friday the 13th? It was it was the thirteenth. It, it, it fell 13th, that yes. it fell that year. It was your birthday, mm-hmm. really? Well, that was a interesting, horrible day, and mm. <laughs> um, that was the day I became unemployed, and pretty much the entire theater community shut down. So it's yeah. been a rough year. Hopefully, we're coming back. We're on the right track. But uh, why don't we start off with I don't know where you want me to start talking about like my early life, my early <laughs> times back in my day. It's like the title of a biography chapter, Early Life. We oh. could start with your um, high school like focus, what you were interested in then, and like how it changed to college. Sure. So, yeah. early life, as in a Wikipedia page, rather than who mm-hmm. yeah. reads yeah. books anymore. Exactly. Exactly early that. life. Okay, the scandals, there's like a subsection like within early life. <laughs> um, so, I would say I went to Chapel High School, which uh, very excitingly had a very strong theatrical department. And I came out of uh, being a performer and was focusing on that. And probably until about senior year where I experimented with a little bit of assistant directing, which was sort of like stage managing Mm because we didn't really have that in high school. Uh, That's not really like exactly a thing. There was definitely a tech department that was very strong at the high school. But Mm -hmm. there was like some kind of awkward like crossover balance between like stage management, assistant director, slash director. I think I actually directed Mm -hmm. a show as well in high school. Um, but I was very much focused on performing and I auditioned at many, many schools and quickly sized up that, uh, it's a hard life to be a performer and that, uh, in general in theater, it's very hard to get a job and there are even fewer jobs and it's more cutthroat for performing. And so I went off to college thinking I was going to do both and do a BA general at Western Carolina university, go cats. Mm -hmm. And so that was where I went and signed up to start to go and after about one semester and working and meeting with my mentor Susan Brown Strauss uh, who's shout out a, shout out to Susan SBS um, <laughs> Susan Brown Strauss is now retired she's a wonderfully kind old woman uh, and with her help and guidance from my he was our stagecraft professor who's an, an old man named Luther Jones shout out to Luther Jones as shout well um, <laughs> Luther oh Jones loved his weapons his World War II, all of his weapons that he would bring to campus and show people, sometimes telling uh, <laughs> campus security and police that he was going to be bringing cannons onto campus, other days not telling them and startling the campus. But uh, with the two of them, uh, their guidance after first semester, I made the switch to uh, be a towards technical theater, um, putting a focus into what would later become stage management, emphasis on stage management and scenic design. That was very well done. I just have to applaud yeah. you on your conciseness and uh, keeping it interesting. Very hard to do. <laughs> hey, can you do a quick, just little definition for me of set design and stage management? Like I, um, yeah, absolutely. I thought that was interesting that that was more of a gray thing at Chapel Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, it, it definitely existed, but it was also like it's not as serious as like mm-hmm. stage management. Like nothing is as serious in high school. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all think it's yeah. life or death, but like, you know, it's a thing, but so stage yeah. or so scene design, I would say is the job of one person's, uh, to work with the director and the rest of the artistic team 
to help design a concept, uh, whether that be a physical set, a set that might be done uh, in various other ways, whatever kind of scenic elements uh, are going to be. You want me to stop? I have a question real quick. question. (laughs) Can you just give me your quick hot take on um, the growing use of projections on sets to make make a little scene? Okay. Um, In the Broadway community? And Broadway community. Okay, so, well, can you elaborate on what you're wanting to know? As well, far I guess it's not Broadway, I think, really. It's more so, the tours. So, okay, so projections can be done very well. And right. are a really great added thing to the theatrical industry. They are only done well, in my terms, when they are added additional scenery or built mm-hmm. into the set design. Um, I think there are a lot of community theaters and a lot of high schools now that are trying to build projections into their productions and the projections are the set Mm. and like Mm. there is no scenery or physical hard scenery or any like doors or windows and they're just like we're going to project it and change the scenery by just scrolling through some like slides or like oh look we have a snowy backdrop then the snow moves in the background i think that's really dull and boring and kind of a really cheap way to to do it and Mm -hmm. it's not as enjoyable i think as an audience member as somebody to work on the show in any kind of aspect uh, when done well, so for example, I would probably say, you know, something like when I think of projections, I think of Frozen and mm-hmm. the team that did that mm-hmm. show. Uh, I think those projections added to what they needed and requ- the show required to yeah. add that theatrical snowy element to the show and the ice. Um, but there are definitely times, and I can think of shows where sometimes the projections become maybe too much. Uh, did you see Charlie and the Chocolate Factory at the Deepak? I did not, actually, but I know what you're talking about. So, oftentimes, sometimes when the tour goes out nowadays, people are there replacing things as well with projections because it means they don't have to travel with as much. So, for oh, example, but it was so bad. So, Sorry. for example, a show that I think does projections really well as well would be Wicked, which sprinkles mm-hmm. in the light projections, especially early on in the projection when projections were coming into theater, like they have a very light element of projections. And I think that's done very well because there's still tons and tons of scenery and mm-hmm. it's not there to tell the whole story. Like to be like, okay, this so is diplomatic. it. Thank you. <laughs> we no, we really try not to offend anyone in the theater community. <laughs> Myself, I might work with in the future. That's fair. Okay. So I'll keep my, I'll, I won't say how. So do you want me to finish? Feel. So that's kind of like, yeah, I do. So on projections, but scenic saying. design, I would say, <laughs> is those elements that we're going to direct to design the world that the show is going to be in and that the cast is going to live in. There are shows, for example, I've heard of, I've never worked on, that don't even have a cast or they could be a one-person show. So mm-hmm. they may not be a full-on scenery. It might be more of like some kind of story elements of like we're going to just have a wall with picture frames. And what is the story that's being told by the, like the certain picture frames that are on the wall? So it can really kind of range in uh, quite a variety of what, uh, scene design can be as well as the other thing scene design also crosses over a little bit into the props world and working with the props master uh, to depending on the show and the company and where you work for what kind of added elements so for example that wagon that might come onto the stage might be considered a prop but I uh, as a designer of scene designer you most likely will have a say in I need that wagon to have be a three-wheeled wagon for Tevia and Fiddler on the Roof mm-hmm. and blah 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 and yep. so on and so forth so yeah, so that's a little bit about scene design or my layman's definition, I guess. Yes. I was literally yeah. wondering when you said wagon, is he going to say Fiddler on the Roof? Yes, 100%. Mm-hmm. We, we all the Fiddler on the Roof. Mm-hmm. What a classic. <laughs> that was my first show at oh. DPAC. At DPAC. Not my first show ever. My first professional tour ever was Oliver. 
when I was in okay. second grade. Yeah. Wow. At um in Raleigh, back when Raleigh used to be the place to go see theater. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, and then can you give just a little thing about stage management for anybody who doesn't know? Yeah, so stage management, I would say, is not, it's like a co-captain with the director. Uh, The Mm -hmm. stage manager will take over after the director leaves and make sure the artistic integrity of the show is kept, as well as the stage manager is in charge overall uh, about everything that happens during the production. So from calling those light cues, calling the sound cues, scenery moving, uh, overseeing that everything is happening and going off without a hitch. Um, but it would, it's important to know that it typically only focuses on, in most capacities at most companies or tours, of things that are happening directly related to the show. There are other mm-hmm. positions like company management or positions where you might be a stage manager and company manager that then deal with some of the outside work that happens um, in theater outside the general show running type stuff. Yeah. A lot of the stuff that we talked about when we were prepping for this had to do with, like, what you had to manage um, during the onset of COVID and also yeah. just sort of, like, your general career path leading up to it. I was, the, from the little bit that I heard from Brenna about, like, what you had to achieve, I was so profoundly impressed. I was like, that sucks, but also, like, the amount of life experience Brig now has is incredible. And like something he should be proud of. I hope you're proud of it. I know it Thank sucks. Thank you. Thank you. Um, no, it is, and it, it's. Um, now I have some great stories, and yeah, I really enjoy doing interviews in general. I actually have a second interview tomorrow, but it gives me great stories and scenarios for interviews. Yeah, so it's so true. We love yeah, a good. Definitely. We love a good horror story or chaotic yeah. moment to tell in an interview where you didn't lose your head. So. Well, it's kind of like the ultimate, if you're looking at a stage manager's resume, I think, like, crisis control. I mean, not that you put your crisis management on a resume. No, I would say it can be crisis management at times. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's part of the job. I think that would be, like, mm mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, that's where it goes on the resume. Yeah, special skill. But I guess Microsoft we should get... Word and crises. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Does anybody still put Microsoft Word on their special yes. skills? I, don't, I, I, don't I just put... say like Office Suite. Correct. Like, right. I say kind the of Office like Suite of products. Adobe Suite, Office Correct. Suite. Yeah. Office so if you don't know that, like, where are you from? Uh, you'd be surprised. Older, I've yeah, but... I know people. That, yeah. Okay. That are it's older. Privileged older. Catholic school showing. No, no, no. It's it's an older generational thing. I feel like. Right. Yeah. Kind of like I have to say though, like, okay, shout out to Michael Throm. Uh, I never <laughs> thought I would. Use, I I'm sorry. I never thought I would use Excel. I despise when he forces to learn Excel. Yeah. Yeah. And I love Excel with a passion. Now, do I use it in the way that he used it? Absolutely not. <laughs> like that was entirely useless. But I'm glad I know Excel. Yeah, I do I use Excel like, every day. I remember we learned. I don't know if we learned Excel doing this, but we learned some software doing like a bracket for the tournament like or for March mm-hmm. Madness. Like, oh, that was enjoyable, that is, like, I think. There was a lot of and then we did like the money thing where we had to we had a job and we had that to spend was fun like, too. a certain amount but of money. The ones yeah. where he was like you're doing math and you're adding the cells together and the blah 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 to get like I didn't yeah. enjoy that. B plus B G squared no. None of that. I just use Excel for tables. I don't Correct. Really, it's exactly. so it's so powerful and I have no idea how to use it properly. I actually so. do use it for my taxes and for our editorial budget. So I guess I should write him a thank you letter. For real. I was thinking about budget. our typing. I was thinking about typing the other day and, and thought about him as well. So, oh, <laughs> Type to learn too. 
That's what it was called. I was trying to tell Martin what the software was called. Okay, I'll have to tell him. I had to get accommodations for that. Did you break? I did later in uh, middle school, but not for it to, like type to learn. Oh. Never for that. What were your accommodations for type to learn? Just to like not have to move at the same pace as everyone else. Oh, I never had that choice. Yeah. I was always like, what? Some of those games with the music, it was intense. Are you, you using your really... keyboard cover? No, Michael Thrum, I'm not using my keyboard cover. Get over <laughs> it. At least you didn't have to learn typing in high school, too. Ooh. Yeah. Gibbons it makes you take a computer class your freshman. But like, like, I, like, I honestly don't think fresh... that the program yeah. helped me learn to type at all. Yeah. Other than like, t- just give me use... general anxiety and stress me out. Yeah, exactly. Like, did you, did you make 44 something in a second? Like, no, I wasn't able to type 44 words in a second. Now what? <laughs> yeah. No, same. We, uh-huh. so we hinted, we did hint before I forget uh, at all your COVID stories, but we didn't get into any specifics. Is there anything else we should talk about first, Brenna? I guess like what, uh what after you graduated college like what did you Mm. i obviously you were a contractor and you did different jobs Mm -hmm. but like i guess explain that a little bit more and then go into covid and where you were yeah i think that's probably best so yeah we'll leave covid towards the end because like that's the end (laughs) of things anna claire's excited to hear about covid19 even though it was a full year ago it's you know logical order isn't my strong it has been a full year ago um so i grew so all through college um i started spending my summers working for professional companies. Uh, I worked, my first internship was with the Berkshire Theater Group in Massachusetts. And that was a wild, wild summer as somebody (laughs) turning 21 that summer. It was a very exciting time. Uh, First time working professionally. Uh, It was just a crazy summer. And it, it had lots of good memories, lots of good memories, lots of bad memories as well. You know, uh, times of almost being struck by lightning from working outside, things of that nature. Um, But let's see, the next summer I moved along, I worked with the Utah Shakespeare Festival, um, and that was an absolute amazing summer, being able to go out to Zion on days off and see the National Parks of Utah, and thoroughly enjoyed my time uh, at the Utah Shakespeare Festival. Mm -hmm. And then as I neared my conclusion of college, I started... uh, I worked several productions in college at the Roadhouse Theater, so I was employed as an employee and got to do some cool things from a magic show, and the guy, I think he was from America's Got Talent, to different kind of concerts, to helping with a Cirque show uh, that was on tour, and then doing things like film festivals and uh, galas, which are a different aspect of management uh, entirely, and kind of a show of like, oh, you could put all these people on stage that don't really know what they're doing, and like trying to coordinate uh, some kind of end product that looks finished and polished with about one rehearsal with like common people, like without rehearsal and like that don't enjoy reading scripts or learning their like their their litany of things they're gonna say to the general public or whatever during the gala. So that was nice. And then I spent a I spent some time like giving back to the community. I spent some time with the. <laughs> The Cherokee High School up in Cherokee, North Carolina, which was only an hour from campus, or about, like, 40 minutes, um, they had started to grow their theater department, and so I went and helped them do a production of Shrek, and I helped train some (laughs) high school students for them and kind of showed them the ropes of stage management, uh, a little bit about what that was like, and eventually turned the show over to them as I had to make my way 
up to Connecticut Repertory Theater, where I did my first, got my first points towards the union. So Actors' Equity Union, which also represents actors and stage managers. Uh, hashtag change the name. We are, we are, there's a movement going on to hopefully change the name of the Actors' Equity Association to Equity rather than uh, Actors' Equity, as, again, this yeah. unit has represented for a long time more than mm-hmm. just actors. And to the general public, and a lot of times when it's referred to, people think it only includes or talks about the actors. And while the stage managers are a smaller portion of the union, uh, mm-hmm. we are still a part of the union and would love the recognition. We're not even asking for stage manager in the name. We would like to just see it maybe <laughs> called a- Equity or American Equity or something along those lines. Uh, and that would be a great move, but there are some great people that are leading that charge in the community already during COVID. So hopefully sometime that will change. So I spent, um, did a production of Disaster, which I'll say, which was very exciting. Got to work with the original Broadway team and we kind of did, ended up doing what was a remount at, uh, UConn. Uh, and then I will share with Anna Claire because I know she's so interested in my scene design work, which I did <laughs> some scene design in my senior year in college. I went off and got to do my first professional scene design uh, in Nebraska for Annie. Uh, and that was, you know, I Annie. I've been to so many places. I have been I to just, so like, many different. It's insane. And that's what I very much enjoy about my, uh, I yeah. work as a freelancer. So independent yeah. contractor working freelance. So, like, we won't even go into how fun that is for taxes when you work in all these different uh, states. I was going to say, tax Don't. 30%. Because it's no fun. It's no fun to have to be like, oh, I need my taxes in Virginia and North Carolina and so on and so forth. Oh, Jesus. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yes, every state I work in. It's hard enough in just in North Carolina yes. with my five jobs. <laughs> yes. So, Jesus. yes, filing taxes. And then we'll come back to it later, but that made unemployment even more difficult oh, when yeah. COVID comes around. <laughs> Um, so I did Annie with them out there. Uh, I was out there for two weeks just on site and got the show open. That was really exciting. Something I absolutely loved doing. Nebraska was different, unique. Ironically, the year before when I was driving to Utah, I actually drove through the town and like we stopped like for a gas stop and I was like, wow, this town is like something else. Cause there's this big highway, like arch over the highway. Little did I know one year later, like I would be returning to that arch we passed under to work oh, in that community. Mm-hmm. So that was very funny. Um, where did I go after that? I started living my uh, regional theater life and starting collecting my Actors Equity Association points, so points towards membership to being able to join. Uh, and I got a year-long internship at Florida Repertory Theater, and that was between an internship and really working as like a full-time employee. Um, mm-hmm. Because without going into all the details... Uh, Florida Rep, it became, quickly it was very apparent that it was not an internship by any means as an assistant. It was really more of a full-time assistant stage manager for the theater with mm. uh, reason to give little pay, uh, mm. which, uh, yes, is a huge problem in our industry, and we are also working towards that as well. Uh, these yeah. internships that receive little to no pay out of college and you are expected to do, and the typical attitude of because everyone's done their time, you have to do your time. Which I agree, mm-hmm. I have no problem with doing your time. Uh, right. The pay needs to be enough to be livable, and housing needs to be provided if you're going to pay something so little and minuscule. Yeah. Because not only that, mm-hmm. sometimes you'll get taxes taken out of it as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got to make money to live. And yeah. so that, I will say, um, is where I'm very fortunate that I am in a financial situation thanks to my family, that I was not mm-hmm. piled or burdened with tons and tons of student loans. And that I didn't have to work tons of jobs in college. I did work in college. Um, 
and I did pay for my own things, but that can be a hard thing when it comes to the arts and letting people of different backgrounds or different ethnicities, privileges, and the ability to do these internships where you can make little to no money. And essentially yeah. it's a pay to play kind of situation where you have to be wealthy mm-hmm. enough to be able to work these jobs for nothing. And the only way you're going to get further in the industry is if you've worked these jobs. Yeah. So something else, you know, we're working towards a lot of things are being discussed during this whole oh, year of yeah. COVID. Everyone's had lots of things in the theater community to think about, talk about, yeah. get frustrated <laughs> about, bring forward to light. Um, Hopefully we're moving in the right direction as well on that. Uh, I think it'll be a while before we see that change. Yeah. Especially with COVID being a thing, I think there are theater companies that are even more about if they can hire somebody who's non-union, pay them less, and not follow the union's guidelines for COVID, they're going to do it. And people right now are desperate enough in the community community that they have to take any work they can. Yeah. So, oh. so yeah. So then I left. I left Florida Rep. We're gonna go. We're gonna go line by line. Essentially, how I went. Okay. I nice. left. You can cut whatever you want. So I left no, Florida so Rep. I forgot. And <laughs> I. I left, so I left, I chose to leave Florida Repertory Theater early. Uh, there were several different reasons behind it. Some of it was I was overworked, underappreciated, uh, the little pay, and kind of felt like I just did need to stay a whole season there. So I departed with them after Christmas, um, and I will say that their production of Christmas Carol sort of put me over the edge, and they had asked me to stay to do another show under a different kind of position title, and I turned it down. Um, so I thankfully moved home and got a job at Triad Stage doing their production of Two Trains Running under an equity, under a union contract. So first union pay rate um, as a rehearsal stage manager for, uh, yeah, Two Trains Running. So I was only with them for a couple weeks doing the rehearsal process. And then I went on my happy way and someone else took over for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I then spent a great summer in Virginia doing two shows there. Uh, for the summer as a production stage manager slash sort of production manager so managing more than just the shows, really managing the entire summer company as there wasn't really somebody, there was no position directly above me other than the artistic director. And so there was a lot of additional management that I didn't know when I took the job that I was going to fall on my shoulders, such as making sure the flying equipment for Mary Poppins gets delivered to the theater and installed correctly. <laughs> And that oh, there's dear. time set aside for that, as well as managing the entire technical team because there wasn't a direct manager for them. So I will say it was uh, a unique opportunity in which I had to rise up and do lots of positions that I was not necessarily trained to do, but prepared to do when I took the job. Right. Um, but it was a great summer still. Did mm-hmm. I want to pull my hair out some nights and drink, uh, get wine drunk with some of the older people uh, in charge of the company yes uh but we made it we pushed through as we do you know we got two productions open had a great summer season and then where did i go after i don't know where i went oh i know where i went i went and did one of my most exciting projects to date i went up to uh new york state and did a production uh, of a new musical called lochness and i first when i signed up for this job I was like, Loch Ness, a musical about the Loch Ness monster. Like, the roller coaster I threw that's, up after. That's how, yes, the roller coaster <laughs> Brenna threw up at Bush Gardens in Williamsburg. Yeah. <laughs> but I was very kind of perturbed by the idea of a musical about the Loch Ness monster and like, well, is this going to be any good, right? So I went into it skeptical, <laughs> but also kind of excited because new works can be fun and exciting to work on. 
They can also be very stressful because it's a new work and nothing is really finalized and everything will change at the last minute. And that absolutely did happen. Uh, but the show, I felt like, was really, really great. It's a fantastic show. They are trying, as many shows are, but they are trying to move it in the direction of Broadway. They actually have producer backing. Um, it would be very much, it's very much something that we could see, as we talked about as a cast, Disney either producing as a musical or Disney making a movie out of. It has very much, It's it ha- the lead is played by a young girl. And she befriends the Loch Ness Monster. And then she, uh, her dad, it's the relationship between the little girl and her dad as their mom had died. And mm. so the relationship between very her dad, Disney. the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> so it has very Disney theatrical elements. And overall, it's mm. very appealing towards, it's a very family-friendly show. And, mm. you know, there are not tons of necessarily Broadway shows that, like, everyone can enjoy. And that is, like, a family aspect as well as older people. But, like, I would say the music and the storyline overall could be really enjoyed by, like, any age range and, like, even younger. So I think the show uh, will hopefully have great success. I'm hoping if it goes to open anywhere else, I will get to join that team again. We'll see. Right now they don't have plans on it because, you know, COVID is going on. But we'll see where they end up. There'll probably be another. So the production I worked on was their second time they've done it, but it was the first time they had done it on a really large scale. Mm. So that was really exciting uh, to work up there uh, on the Finger Lakes. So right there on one of the lakes. Uh, the theater is literally right, uh, like, steps from one of the lakes. And oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it was a great... I was there, thankfully, for uh, fall, early fall in New York State. And so that was really pretty and nice. Yeah. Again, all the different places <laughs> I could to go and travel. Uh, you know, sometimes it's not just hot Florida. <laughs> feels like a lot of the times it's hot Florida though because Florida's a big state and there's a lot of theater and old people there so those two mm. things go hand in hand really well together do you want me to keep going individually like this or like skip forward to COVID now no. how many more I mean, are there uh, there's really only I think there's only one more job I mean there's like a sprinkling of other jobs that I've had but not you not did important. the highlights I did I did a production as a I did a re-staging remounted production of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Raleigh uh it now in 2019 uh for christmas which is done every year and i did that as a production manager had a great time doing that with the cast that typically returns and then shortly after i closed that i was employed by norwegian creative studios which is run by norwegian cruise lines uh which if you know anything about norwegian cruise lines we have three brands of ships so oceana regent and the norwegian brand and so i was employed to come do uh start with them as assistant stage manager and a rehearsal stage manager for shows on the mega ship, which was the Escape. And so on the Escape, there are two Broadway style shows. One is After Midnight, and the other is Choir of Man. Both totally different shows. <laughs> uh, I started with Choir of Man, which is, I want to say, was it, I think it's a cast of eight or nine, and then we had four swings of all these wonderful British lads, and they all are from. Britain and from England in different parts and I think we had one Swede as well and so they were uh, they were a lively group to pick up from the airport and drive around every day uh, <laughs> in Tampa uh, they are quite a boisterous bunch of boys and so I worked as the assistant stage manager and when you work at Norwegian uh, you take on company management responsibilities as a stage manager there as well or the assistant stage manager so the daily day of the cast needs to be driven places from the apartments to rehearsal studios to the grocery store where else uh to medical 
or they need to go get their shots or they need to go get something before they board the ship or somebody's not feeling well that day. Very much company management, like on call kind of scenario for my cast. Damn, you're like a parent, like a soccer mom. Little bit. There were, yes, it was something. So I quickly learned how to drive a 15 person uh, passenger van. Wow. Yes, with little to no, pretty much, there was no training, but I feel very blessed that I had a good friend, Lindsay Chapman, who also has a podcast. Shout out. Shout out to oh. Lindsay Chapman. They have a, she has a podcast called Two Women Always Talking. And Lindsay had done, she had done a job, a contract with Norwegian, I believe she did two contracts, or one was rehearsal, and then she spent some time on a ship. And so I knew I was going to have to drive a 15-passenger van. So she had sent me her tricks and tips for when they give you the keys and say the van's outside. Uh, and so I was so grateful for her tricks and tips, which are, you know, wide turns, make sure, like, you're bigger than you think you are, you know, things like that. And so, like, definitely went out to the parking lot and took a spin around the block a couple of times before, like, you know, put, taking it out on the real road. Because, uh, you know, can be stressful, can be stressful. Yeah, wait, okay. Pause. Do you have any anxiety? Over, like, do I have anxiety over life or, like, what? Like, in general, have you ever been diagnosed with anxiety? Oh, of course I have anxiety. I think we okay. all have anxiety. Um, we're millennials, I have, like, of course. General... Do you take anything for it? No, I, I don't take anything for anxiety. I cannot picture myself doing any of, like, but, like most of so what I was, So I have, like, one has to say, I feel like a lot of us have anxiety overall. Like, I have anxiety mm-hmm. over this, like, coming up interview. Not that I'm worried about the interview. It's just that I really want this job. Mm. so I would say like I was already in the mindset of knowing that this is what I was going to have to do and like this is part of the job I do that yeah and like Lindsay was in the same situation as I was at some point she Mm. did it yeah I can do it too as well as you have to manage anxiety because I've had some bad things happen during a show like we won't go to the details of it but during the production of Mary Poppins that one summer I had the uh ringing harness the harness of my Mary Poppins break moments before she was going to fly and so with that anxiety you kind of have to be able to get out of that mind when you're in that kind of Mm -hmm. situation uh because you can't let it affect the show let alone you know i have there are lives on stage sometimes that are at risk from Mm -hmm. flying scenery from people that might be flying in a show to you don't want to call something too early or call a blackout and plummet people into darkness where they run into each other General things like that, or safety, or even that summer when I was in Nebraska, there were tornadoes, you know, that came up. I was not the stage manager, but there were tornadoes one day. We all had to shelter uh, because there were three tornadoes that came through in the same band of storms. So that's what you were thinking of when you're driving the van. You're that's like, what I I'm handle thinking. Tornadoes. I've, I've done, <laughs> I can do this, right? And so um, the one thing that's really challenging is the drive from where we live. We live in the suburbs of Tampa and Brandon. The drive, I'd have to make the drive to the airport all the time. And so I had done a practice drive out to the airport uh, just to get it, like, under, you know, underway before I had to do it the next day when I started picking up cast and, like, having to drive people around. And I'm so glad I did that practice drive because, like, and I recommend it to everyone else that came in after me, including my good friend Molly. I was like, you want to do, and I did I did uh, the practice drive with her, you want to do a practice drive out to the airport because it's far. It's on the big freeways of the Tampa Highway. There are tons of lanes. It, it merges. It ends. There's fast pass lanes. Like, it's very stressful driving out to the airport. And then not only that, you get in your big white van and you go to the Tampa airport. And if you know anything about the Tampa airport, it's a very busy airport as well. It's not as bad as Atlanta by any means. 
but you're driving a big white passenger van and guess what the security or police whatever you want to call them traffic control down there don't like they don't like you in your white van and they will bang on the side of your van and yell at you to move and keep circling as you try and maneuver your giant van in between all the stupid little drivers that are going to cut you off. Oh, God. <laughs> so the anxiety really comes in when you pull under the airport, just like get to the gates yeah. to start picking people up. Yeah. And it's like people crossing the street, cars that don't know what they're doing. And you're driving yeah. a big white van. You're trying to stick it in there. Open your door. And like the other thing is oftentimes we're, uh, there are foreigners so they're foreigners. They've some of them have been to the United States before. Some of them have not. I'm having to use the WhatsApp app to contact them after sitting in the airport parking lot. I tell them I'm coming in a big white van and tell them that I will be screamed at to move, otherwise they will ticket me. That when I come around, they better that door's going to open and you better throw your luggage in and get in the van because we have to get moving. <laughs> so these are the times, and let me just tell you, I now. We, I used to despise airport pickup day because it became so monotonous because we would group people's flights together as close as we could. Um, and management would go, and if we could, I would pick up somebody else's person from their ship. So sometimes they might be, I might be meeting somebody that's not even on my ship or crew, and I'm picking them up, and they don't know who I am, or they haven't talked to me at all. I just said I would go grab Mary from the airport since I'm going to be there at 5 o'clock anyways. And... Just the, like, the monotony of driving back and forth. I could, there was one day I think we made 11 trips to the airport. And, like, it's not that (laughs) short a drive. Like, because you make 11 trips from the apartments out there. And then what you would do is typically take them to the grocery store. Or depending on how late it was, we would drop them off at Wawa and say, you're going to go to the grocery store the next day. Because I have another airport pickup. And then you would literally, I would drop them off at their apartments. Be like, here are your keys. Here's your apartment. And I would have to turn around and race right back to go to the airport because another flight be landing with more people so but now you know we joke about it with my norwegian friends and i'm like wow what would i what i would give for an airport pickup day now uh just <laughs> no, to like no. do that yeah. yes because like uh. it was like as horrible as it was it was still so enjoying and exciting and like assuming you got a very engaging person in the car like mm-hmm. it was always awkward when you had a, a quiet cast member or sometimes i would pick up creatives and like if they were like either on a different time zone or weren't very talkative, or were shy, and it was just, mm-hmm. like, you and them in the car, van back, like, mm-hmm. then it would be, like, yeah. oh, awful. But if you had a group of people, or, like, two people to talk to that were yeah. friendly, like, it was fine. But, like, there's some good anxiety. Like, sometimes you pick up a creative, and it's like, oh, wow, they're, like, not going to talk to me the entire way back, and we're going to ride in silence in this van. And then and then you get stuck in Tampa traffic. Yeah. Tampa accidents, and so, you know. Jesus. I'm glad you survived all of that I'm driving. glad I survived. I am proud to say I did not damage my van. During my time at Norwegian, I did see other vans get damaged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was not me that damaged the van, thankfully. But I also remember, like, I remember also Googling, because, like, nobody tells you anything. I was like, how t- I had to pull out the make and model of my vehicle and then Google online, how tall is my van? To then determine if I can oh, fit yeah. through the drive through line at Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks. Because, like, you know how it has the sign? It says, like, yeah. 13 foot 9 inches. But I was like, I don't know how big I am. Like, how yeah. tall am I? Because they're tall. We drive tall vans. So you could stand up in the vans. Um, and I was like, I need to know so that during these airport runs, when I don't have time to, like, walk in somewhere... Can I fit through drive through lines? And, like, yes, I can fit, turns out. At least most drive throughs. But, like, know. you know, got to be careful because <laughs> one stage manager took it through a parking deck with too low of a ceiling and it didn't end well. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. So, yeah. Damn. 
So I was down there at Norwegian, um, and I actually was promoted and asked to do another contract. I rehearsed uh, two, two of the smaller shows for the last ship as a stage manager, but I would not be the stage manager installing, so going to the ship with them. And I was offered another contract to do my own ship and be in charge of my own cast full-time uh, from my boss, and was very excited about that. I was going to be doing the Norwegian Jade. Well, I actually was given a choice, but I chose to stick with the Norwegian brand because the shows are a little bit larger. Mm-hmm. And so on the Norwegian Jade, the shows we do are a country show called Blazing Boots, our mm-hmm. aerial dance and magic kind of show combo called Elements, which involves yeah. the cast learning aerial elements as well as an onboard uh, aerial couple that is involved in the show and an onboard magician and magician's assistant. And it's a very cool show. They go through all the different elements. It's very exciting. It's very cruise ship-esque kind of yeah. show. But I'd say it's, like, fun to do. And the other show I was going to do is Palace of Lights, which is, like, their big Cuban Havana dance show. Mm-hmm. Latin American. Um, so uh, we... I started that contract and did all my prep as my other cast... Uh, my Excuse me, my After Midnight cast, which is my other from my other show which was a big Broadway dance show, um, which was very fun to do. As literally they were departing, we're getting ready to depart, I was prepping for my next show because that's how quickly my turnaround time was. I sent them away on Friday off to the ship, so I saw them off Friday morning, and on Saturday the next day I had airport pickups for my next ship. So there was literally no turnaround time. We began uh, with a one-week aerial rehearsal process, was what we were in the midst of. Um, so we, the cast, only half the cast had flown into the airport for aerial rehearsals, and they were learning uh, silks and Spanish web and those types of things, as well as Lyra. And we were clicking along quite nicely in our aerial rehearsal. And I had pre- been, of course, very privy to what was going on as it was becoming harder for Norwegian, the company, to fly performers to... Uh, Tampa as they were trying to avoid people going through Asia at the time. So we had people that were coming directly two ships back to Tampa for rehearsals or from other countries and they were trying to make sure that they were able to reroute their flights and avoid Asia. So we were like, you know, it's no problem at the time. Now, yeah, at this time, actually... Yeah, ever been in Asia. It's never come here. Correct, we're, right? We stop there. I have it's so many here. memories through, like, elementary <laughs> school, like, going to kinder music or whatever with my siblings and seeing mm-hmm. on the coffee Aww. table, like, the bird flu time yeah. magazine. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. Like, the mad cow disease. Uh-huh. And, like, experiencing the anxiety, but then learning over time that it's not real. It never actually, like, affects people I know. Right? Like it never comes. So, and then... So the anxiety was overall low because at that point it was in Asia. My my one cast after midnight, since they were the last to leave, they're like, as I was picking people up, they're like, do you think this is a problem? I said, no, we've all been told this isn't going to be a problem. This is no issue. Like, smooth sailing, right? Yeah. That's what everyone was told. That's what our president at the time was saying. Smooth sailing. I mean, not like we listened to him, but still. Was, <laughs> not that we saying. listened to him. A lot so, of people did listen to him. We started having, uh, so at the time in February, uh, as I was winding down my other contract, my, the ship, the Norwegian Jade, was actually in Asia. And the <laughs> ship had not picked up passengers during the, uh, the Princess Cruise Line ship incident was occurring. 
And so Norwegia made the executive decision. Again, uh, let's go ahead and let it be known. I do not speak for the brand or the company. I do not speak for Norwegian. I am not employed <laughs> currently by Norwegian. I work for them as an independent contractor basis. I also do not speak for Norwegian Creative Studios on any aspect. Or any, everything I say is what I was privy to or what the general yeah. public knows. So yeah. please note, I do not speak for corporate. Ever. Yes. He's not so dropping any, let's any that, bombs. Let that be known. Yeah. I'm not going to tell no you anything. There's no shade going on here. Yes. I absolutely <laughs> love Norwegian. So uh, yeah. they made the choice that it was time. They were not going to pick up passengers. Again, this is the ship that we were supposed to be working to go. And I was actually going to go to this ship to, re- to install the shows was my position. So I would be on the ship for two weeks, mm-hmm. uh, teching the shows and putting them in. So literally what would happens in this position is I travel with the cast and the creative team to the ship. That same day, the cast that's currently on the ship disembarks the, sh- the ship. We board, and then we quickly begin rehearsals, and they begin training classes because you also are required, if you're remaining on the ship, to either do, you have to do training every so many months, or there's also training that's required that doesn't matter if you've been on a ship, you have to do it every time. I, uh, as an independent contractor and not being a stage manager to remain on the ship, do not have to uh, do any of the trainings. I'm considered a passenger as far mm-hmm. as the man the guest manifest list goes, and I get a passenger mm-hmm. cabin, um, there is an onboard stage P production stage manager who will remain on the ship with the cast in the position that I was, and she will take over and call the show, and then I will eventually go home after two weeks. So she and I were getting in contact a little bit, um, and she was starting to slowly update me about what was going on. And at first, from her cast and from the crew on the ship, it was great. They were like, no passengers. This is a party. We're all enjoying it. It's like a whole week off from work, right? And so the ship started sailing out of Asia quickly to go towards uh, Egypt and Dubai. And so everyone was enjoying their lives. It was a great day. I heard the crew was out on the pool deck all day. They brought up the crew. Uh, They were doing crew buffet outside. Everyone was having a great old time. I think I saw some TikToks of like a cruise ship Everyone was having a great time. Mm. And then it slowly became a little less fun because people started to like... (laughs) Get kind of the people that didn't have to do like daily tasks to like continue to have the ship function, like people started getting bored. So they did a couple of shows for the the crew to make sure the entire crew on the ship got to rotate and have seen all the shows. And then they started sitting around and I was like, okay, this is getting really boring. And we were like, because mm-hmm. they were not picking up passengers. So I was sitting around going, we're making money, but like this is also incredibly boring. We want to do our jobs, is what I was hearing from the performers. They want to perform their shows. You know, sitting around all day. The internet on ships is not great. You have to pay for internet, typically, as a crew member. Uh, Mm. You know, other than this hard drive I hear that you have to have to watch all your movies and TV shows on. And everyone uh, trades hard drives around as a currency to watch different things on (laughs) the ship. Like prison! Yes, like prison. (laughs) Um, And so, they got to... Some of this will get a little spotty in my memory... So they got to Dubai or whatever, and they ported there, and they were allowed off the ship. They were allowed granted shore leave, and so then they come back to the ship at night, spend the night there, and they were allowed to get off. And then slowly the rules started changing on an hour-by-hour basis over if they were allowed to get off the ship or not. So one day they were allowed to get off. The next day they were not allowed to get off. Then the next day it was a different rule again. And then it started Mm -hmm. to be a little more serious as we, at this point, Italy was becoming up and slowly into lockdown. Now, Italy was where I, my cast and I were supposed to be meeting up with the ship. We were all supposed to be flying into Italy. 
Really? And so oh at God. this point, I was picking up my cast, and <sighs> their first question is, as soon as they get in the van, hi, nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. Where are we going? And my response was, I don't know. Because that's what yeah. my boss had told me. I had asked several times, are we going to Italy? And the response from the company was, and still obviously will be, we're not going to send you anywhere that's dangerous. But by this point, I was like, the ship is not in Italy for us to meet. It has not started traveling in that direction. It's near Dubai, Egypt. Not that it's that far away because you can cut through. But I was like, where are we going to go? Because Italy doesn't sound like it's going to be opening in any direction anytime soon. So Mm -hmm. I I had to have the higher boss, you know, came in and told my cast that, you know, overall, we're going to be going somewhere. We just don't know where we're sending you yet. Please don't worry. But also be flexible with us. So we were Mm -hmm. all trying to be very flexible. Uh, And then slowly from the stage manager on board, I had heard like, you know, okay, now they want them to distance and the things were changing and it wasn't so much fun party on deck. And now they couldn't get off. And quickly the Dubai government and the Egyptian government, wherever they were bouncing between, all of a sudden decided that all the cruise ships that were sitting in port that were hooked up to power, hooked up to all that stuff, you're not welcome in port. And so they said, Mm -hmm. you have to go out to international waters to sea and then rotate in as you require supplies and offload things, such as garbage and things of that nature. So they started doing a rotation in with ships, and they were just out floating at sea. And the Norwegian Jade was the first Norwegian brand ship to stop picking up passengers. So mm-hmm. now they've reached the point of they almost were at a month with no passengers prior to all the other ships that were still floating along, but it's because their Asian part of their stop had been cut short. So they were like, we're going to plan to pick up passengers soon. And clearly that wasn't going to happen. So we are rehearsing happily away down in Tampa, uh, all of our aerial different elements for the show with our aerial director who is, uh, he's Canadian and the company's Canadian. He owns the company. He also works closely with Disney Cruise Line. And so him and I were having lots of conversations back and forth in the rehearsal room during breaks about like, what do you think is going to happen? And he was mm-hmm. giving my two cents because he's his co-worker was on Disney ships doing one of them. Doing one, of, mm. doing stuff for one of their ships at the time, and dis it started circulating through Disney that they think they were going to shut down and that things yeah. weren't going well, and so we were like, no, nah, we don't know if we'll shut down. And so the big question became, if the cruise ships shut down, will we stop rehearsals in Tampa? Because we're like, okay, we can see the cruise ships going on pause, but what does that mean for everyone in Tampa? We were maybe of the mind that we might possibly keep rehearsing in Tampa, and the cruise ships will just pause out there. Everyone will sit around and wait, and we're going to keep rehearsing here on land because, you know, we're in the United States. Wasn't supposed <laughs> to be Florida an issue. it certainly wouldn't be a hot spot. Uh, yeah, Absolutely, out of the states, there's right? no way. It's a lot of diseases. You know? Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. So we're waiting around, <laughs> and we'll fast forward without all the day-by-day as things, you know, continue on. It didn't look good. And every day, we, as stage managers started meeting, we're like, Wednesday coming. There's going to be a day. Like, mm-hmm. the news is coming. The news is coming. We just don't know when. And so there I am sitting in rehearsal, and I'm refreshing my computer, refreshing my computer, and we were told that we had a meeting all of a sudden at 4 o'clock that afternoon. I was like, this meeting can't be good. But we still didn't know if the meeting was, the ships are stopping, we are continuing here, or everyone is going home. Mm. And the meeting was set for 4 o'clock, and I want to say at 3 o'clock, the news was announced to the public that Norwegian Cruise Lines is stopping all ships. And so that came across my computer. And so we're all in the big stage manager group text. So uh, the way uh, the studios are in Tampa, it's like one big long hallway 
long corridor mm-hmm. and all the rehearsal rooms are off of it. And so we mm-hmm. hold, I think we have six, seven or eight, maybe seven rehearsal rooms um, of various sizes. And so at the time we were at high season, so we were, some rehearsal rooms had two shows in them. So meaning you work on morning shifts starting at like six or seven in the morning and you go to three in the afternoon and the other group comes in at three and goes from three to like midnight. And so we had been on a, a night shift situation. So we're coming in the afternoon because there were that many shows in the, in the building. And so we were all group texting with all the stage manager. Oh my gosh, they've announced the shutdown. They've announced what's going to happen. It's four o'clock meeting. Four o'clock meeting comes and they put everyone separate. Management goes to one room. They crowd all the cast in one other room. And we're all told different things because it all means different things for everybody. Oh, okay. Because it's a consistent message, but everybody correct. Has so there are stage managers that are there that are as employees of the company because they were going to be remaining on ships, so they're employees. We had stage managers that were contractors, and we had cast that were considered employees. So the cast got told that they are shutting down. They don't know for how long. They don't really have a lot of information. At this time, nobody's thinking it's going to be that long. The cast were going to get mm-hmm. two weeks severance pay or whatever as well. Um, we were then told in the management <laughs> oh. room that we're sending everyone home and that we then quickly with the upper Norwegian management crafted a plan for what the deal was to start getting collecting the information required from our individual mm-hmm. cast members to get them on flights that now had to be booked to go uh, home. Sorry. So this became very Booking difficult. Booking a flight for one person is too hard. Uh, right. imagine. Correct. So it became very uh. difficult because... Many, many crew are from foreign countries. Or, excuse me, many, many of our cast are from foreign countries. And so we went back with... And it was done very, very well, I felt like, with stage management. We formed a grid. We were to go back to our cast members. Now, technically, they have to fly back to their their home where they came from, that address. Mm -hmm. And so if they Mm -hmm. were not able to go there for some other reason and they needed a deviation, they had to inform us why the deviation needed to be happened. So either... They had, like, for example, some people are like, I can't go to New York City. I've already subleased my apartment. I need mm-hmm. to be sent back to Kentucky to my where my parents live. So what's the reason for the deviation? It has to be approved. And we had to, you know, coordinate all this information into Excel. Wow. And so all of it was Shout put out to there. Mr. Throng. <laughs> right? So all of this yeah. was put into one system. And then our theatrical operations managers also were in the process of canceling flights. Because we had flights booked for people that were supposed to leave to go to ships literally that Saturday, the next day, and Sunday. And so they're canceling flights, and we were told, give them all the information, take all the cast home, and then wait for further instruction. And so we were also told to be like, you're on standby with your phones. As soon as we start getting flights booked and can be approved by the company to book flights, we will send you that information and you were to start the airport, the driving to the airport to get this like mass exodus of everyone in the building out. There were tons of people because it was so many yeah. ships were in the building. So uh, we started to all go home. And so the first thing the cast wanted to do. So here's a little fun side story. I was like, all right, you know, we're all unemployed or whatever. I was like, do you all want me to take you to the liquor store or to the grocery store? <laughs> And so my van went to the liquor store so that they could all get some some booze or do whatever they wanted to enjoy. Because it was very clear that night that everyone was going to party. Uh, we live in a complex just five minutes from the rehearsal studios with a beautiful like pool and clubhouse and all that stuff. And so by the time we got back there, it was like full out of rager going on. Because all the company members live in this apartment complex. As well as other general people as well. Mm-hmm. So I was like, this oh, is going to be something else. Something else, right? We've all told them they're all unemployed. 
Now they have, like, no reason. They're just waiting for their flight to be booked. Now they were all instructed as well to go home and pack and be ready to leave at a moment's notice. Probably about 50% of them maybe not even did that and then enjoyed, you know, their cocktails or their adult parties or whatever. And the other ones them, like, weren't even about to pack. And we were like, okay, well, when we come a-knocking or give you a call, we're leaving to the airport right away. There's no waiting. Because we didn't know how short notice the information would be handed over to us because they were trying to book the first flight available for everybody. So then the issue quickly became, which we all sized up as managers, of there were a lot of different countries that started closing or changing their rules or were anticipating. And the issue became very quickly that it was very hard for our theatrical operations managers to be aware and informed of every location and as they changed by the hour, what their rules yeah. were. And so That's I started crazy. having cast members come to me telling me, for example, I had one that was, I have to be on a flight by Sunday. They say I have to be on a flight by Sunday. If I'm not on a flight by Sunday, I won't be allowed in the country. You have to help mm-hmm. me. And I said, I cannot do any more. Other than they have booked, they are booking your flight, they are aware and are keeping updated what the country's rules are, and he's like, I'm going to have to be on a respiratory flight if I don't get in Sunday. We don't know how that will work. And I was like, there's nothing I can do. And I had many people come to me. Um, Ironically, I actually had a... So we we shut down on Friday, the Friday the 13th. That night, I had someone flying in from Russia that I had to pick up from the airport and let him know that now that he's made it all the way from... Russia to Germany from Germany here to the airport it was like midnight mm-hmm. by the way you're going to be turning around and going back and you're out of a job so he took it really well he took it really That's well good. he was so nice um, obviously something out of control because I kept screaming I was like turn him around like he's only halfway there but like to communicate that and rebook a flight wasn't that easy so they let him come all the way because I think he landed in Miami and then had to fly from Miami all the way to Tampa and I was like we should just turn him around <laughs> And so they weren't able to do that. And so whatever, he went home and slept and got prepared to not unpack his suitcase and that he was going back. So Mm -hmm. they slowly, we waited all weekend and there were no flights, no flight information came. So it was Saturday, Sunday, and then it started getting a little like, oh, wow, maybe we need to get ready to like leave. Because we didn't know. We didn't know what Donald Trump was going to do. We were down in Florida. And at this point, we had already had no toilet paper in the stores down there. There was starting to be food issues, which I was like, well, if, like, I get stuck here for some reason in Florida, like, I don't have enough food. Like, like apocalypse kind of stuff. Like, there's no meat at the grocery store to go buy. There's no, like, crackers. Because everyone's already bought it all. And, like, I was just down here living my little dandy life. And I don't buy... Or need to buy like tons and tons of food. I'm gonna be going home. But I was like, like, if I get stuck here, (laughs) if I get stuck here, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Not that that would ever happen in America, because you know we have really loose rules when it comes to things. But I was starting to hear from Canadian (laughs) friends like, yeah, when I go home, there's gonna be mandatory two week quarantine. My I had Australian cast members that were like, when I go home, I have to quarantine immediately or stay in a hotel when I get off the airplane. I was like, whoa, like now I'm a little like, whoa. Australia should I be worried? Not play around. Should I be worried? I and think that's still a rule in like some northern states. It is. Oh, north. Uh, no, I don't know about that anymore. Yeah, there's um one of the schools my brother got into. He didn't tour because there was a two week quarantine. Really? Oh, what about with a negative test? Nope. Really? Yeah, like we were already. My parents were already vaccinated by then. And, like, wow, that's insane. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Huh. I know. 
It's not going there, though. So (laughs) They're lost. Oh, well. (laughs) So uh, we started the airport runs. I think the airport flights came in on Monday. We definitely had um, whatever. So Sunday, we all, the state managers, were like, okay, well, there's no point sitting around here worrying and waiting. Which, by the way, I'll rewind to Friday. More than half, 75% of the company or people that were employed with Daniel Region were like, we're going to go to downtown Tampa, to the clubs, and party. And I was like, huh, I just don't think that that's the best idea. Because, yeah. you know, what little we knew. I was like, that's, you know, I was a little, little paranoid, a little worried. But I was like, just, you know, I wanted to, but I also had that airport pickup to do Friday night. As well as, I was like, that just doesn't seem like a smart idea. I'm really glad I didn't do that. Yeah. That's a terrible idea looking back at it. That was a horrible idea. Like all those people that went to Disney the night before it shut down. (laughs) So that's the other thing that happened as well with Norwegian. Since we are only like an hour, 45 minutes, two hours from Disney, people were like, we're booking it to Disney. We're getting a rental car. We're going to be at Disney the last day. I was like, that also seems like maybe not the best idea. Who would have thought? So Sunday, my stage manager friends and I, we were like, we're going to have our phones on. We're going to go drink and enjoy the beach. So. So we went yeah. and enjoyed the beach, and we're like, Smart. if they call us, they're going to call yeah. us. We'll, we're not that far from the apartments. So we can go pick somebody up. And no flights oh, still yeah. have been booked. So at this point, we're like, okay, when are these flights going to start, like, coming? And we had kind of been told when they, like, come, they're going to be, like, tons and tons of them, and it would be a big coordination effort to get people out. So Monday, flights started coming, and, like, I was still getting a little nervous by this point of, like, oh, I also need to go home, perhaps, because they were like, if you can stay to the very end of getting everybody out, we'd like you to. And I was like... Huh. Getting paid? Your, so your salary is I'm getting paid the same. still. I'm being paid until I leave. But no... no, Because um, I imagine... Were you still working, like, regular hours? No, at this point, this? there was no going back to the studios. Now, the other thing, looking back on it, I hadn't mentioned that Norwegian did an excellent job. About probably two weeks before the shutdown happened at studios... We all of a sudden had, well, first off, there were new protocols in the studio. And this is, like, two weeks prior to our shutdown. This is before, like, things getting bad. So we were instructed that we were no longer allowed to interact with any other cast other than our own cast. Okay. Mm -hmm. That also changed from day to day because we're like, this is a little silly. They all have the same break room. Yeah. We wanted to see people's show runs as well because you get to, like, do, it's very, like, bonding thing for the studios to go support others and, like, do a dress rehearsal in the studios of their show and so that changed literally day to day as well as Norwegian brought in nurses and we had nurses now every day on staff Mm. and they were required to take our temperature and we had to be given a wristband that we were checked in and filled out stuff every day coming into rehearsal and like this was really early on and we were all joking like we would even joke in studios that we were also told we were not allowed to have physical contact with anybody in the studios so there was no more handshaking no more any of that and so we're like, and they had put out extra hand sanitizer stations everywhere through the hallways. Because, yeah. like, uh, cruise ships already have tons of hand sanitizer little station things. So they were super prepared on that level. They didn't have oh, to yeah, go out, run out, and buy any. I was actually, that's so funny. I was teaching an acting class as things were shutting down, too. And, uh-huh. like, each week we do, like, when we do our, like, circle exercises, we'd stand further apart from each other. Yes. Or, like, we'd <laughs> give all the kids yeah. hand sanitizer before we played, like, bang or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> It's so, crazy to think back at that time. So they yeah. were definitely taking protocols. and mm-hmm. But, like, I will tell you, the first week we were, like, it was kind of ironic because we are like, but we hear that, you know, you cannot have a fever and have this. So what's the point of the temperature? Yeah. Thing? But, like, oh, well, it's a step in the right direction. But then it yeah. became, like, you had to be in the building by a certain time. And then nobody, 
that didn't work for the company was allowed in the building. So we have packages and stuff get dropped off by trucks every day, all day long, mm-hmm. at all like nonstop because backdoor deliveries, like office deliveries, costumes coming in, and like now those people are not allowed to come in the building, and we had to lock all of our doors. And like you can't stop, you can't enter Amazon Man, and like they were yeah. kind of like perturbed by it at this point, but yeah. they were trying to create, they were attempting to create an like early bubble. bubble. Of, like, Mm -hmm. where only workers are interacting with each other. And I was like, that's a smart choice. Other than the fact that, like, there are other people in the building that, like, go home to their families and things of that nature. As well as we can't control what anyone does outside of rehearsal. So, we're back forward to Monday. Flights start coming in. We start doing airport runs as well. I decided that it's probably about time after one day of for me to go the next day. Mm -hmm. uh, And asked to have my flight booked. And I found a flight, gave them the flight number. And my other friend decided to actually go as well. We were waiting for approval on our flights. Got the approval about two hours before the flight took off from the airport. Thankfully, we had already packed at home. The only thing that wasn't prepared was, like, all the food and stuff in the pantry. So we did a big old into a bag with all the food and things that were left over. Thankfully, I just had not gone to the grocery store again because I was like, it's not going to be too long now until I depart. Uh, I threw a tub. I purchased a tub. We have a storage facility down there to keep some stuff in. So I put two tubs into the storage facility thinking I'll see these in two weeks, maybe a month at maximum. Mm -hmm. Like I tell everyone I put a bottle of red wine into a hot outdoor storage container in Florida thinking I'll be back in two weeks. Like this was still early, uh, what is it, March. So Mm -hmm. not too hot in Florida yet. And I was like, I'll be back in a little bit. So I hugged yeah. everyone goodbye and all my coworkers and said, see you in two weeks. Or told my cast, what we have been told is as soon as this pause is over, we'll all be back. And we're all going to do the same show and do the same ship. And, you know, it'll be dandy. Yeah. And here, here I am now, over a year a later. A year later. Mm-hmm. And we have not returned. And my tub is still sitting in a hot storage unit in Florida. And I'm waiting on my phone call to be asked to return to Hopefully oh, so that's that still the plan? Uh, whenever, yeah, I still, so my boss is reaching out and keeping us updated. Uh, we'll give you the short, the short discussion is we have announced three ships are sailing. Okay. There are three ships sailing. They are not sailing from the United States. One ship will sail from Greece, one ship will sail from the Caribbean, and the other one will sail from the Western Caribbean. Okay. Uh, we are waiting on CDC approval to sail from the United States. The CDC has a no, conditional no-sale order all the way to October. Which is a little unreasonable, I feel, yeah, and many I in the industry that. feel. As the CDC... Uh, uh, so the reason I feel it's unreasonable is the new policy on Norwegian ship, at least through October, is all the crew and all the passengers must be vaccinated. At this time, Norwegian yeah. is not accepting anyone under the age of 18. Oh. That is different than Royal Caribbean, which is accepting people between 16 and 18, I believe, with a negative COVID test 72 hours before boarding the ship. So, with all that in mind, we're not 100% sure why the CDC is ignoring the call from, this is now, I'm speaking of not directly from any information here from the company, but the articles I read, that they has, they've submitted a plan to the CDC, yeah. it has not been, there was no response to it. Friday of last mm-hmm. week, uh, president of our company sent a reminder letter to the CDC saying, reminder, it's been 10 days, we'd like to hear from you and get your yeah. thoughts on this plan we have laid out with a hopeful start date out of the United States for July 4th. I, the reason why I think yeah. it's so silly is if everyone is vaccinated and mat, face masks will be required when you are not outside on deck, mm-hmm. as well as uh, 
there'll still be social distancing and our ships are going to be operating at 60 percent capacity yeah i don't see why we couldn't sail from the united states to me i think it sounds very reasonable because what is the difference of i am a resident of the state of florida and i want to still go on a cruise so i will now just get on an airplane and fly to the bahamas and board the ship there sail on my one-week cruise do the bahamas back to the bahamas and fly from the bahamas back to home in you know florida what's the difference other than there's no money and the frustrating thing overall is that uh the other industries are open such as las vegas and disney and everybody else and they have been for a while so Mm -hmm. why are we being held hostage by the cdc Mm -hmm. when it's been proven that only 2.5 percent of covid cases from my understanding of an article i read I do not have the source to cite. I apologize. No, it's um, really okay. Uh, COVID cases, 2.5% of COVID cases are attributed to cruise lines. Mm. The one thing I think people generally think of, um, there's lots of comments of like, cruise ships equal a hotbed of infections and disease and like ugh, germs. They've improved their ventilation systems. But the one thing people forget is cruise lines already were dealing with the stomach virus and that thing mm-hmm. already on a high level and how to combat that. And overall, yeah. the amount of surfaces that are cleaned and the number of times surfaces are cleaned on a cruise ship every day are much higher than that of your average grocery store or Starbucks yeah. or, I don't know, games or Target you're going to go into. Uh, you know, those There's railings, no. those elevator buttons get wiped several times through a day versus yeah. uh, the office building that I go to see the dentist in. Who's wiping down the elevator? But yeah. also we understand that this disease is not super transmittable through touch now so yeah i mean cruises have had like hand washing stations before you go into every single like a lot it's called washy washy so yeah they have people's jobs so so. we are waiting and anticipating return my ship the ship i was assigned to is actually the first ship to return to service and will be returning in july at this time i haven't received a call i don't think i'll be receiving Mm -hmm. a call for that same ship probably for a different job Mm -hmm. at this time i think the position they're going to be filling is an onboard position, which I was not originally intended for. And mm-hmm. I can say at this time, without going into any of what the company has shared with its workers, that there are some changes in the rules and regulations and privileges of the crew that will uh, affect my decision of at this time if I would want to remain on the cruise ship, such as okay. possibly mm-hmm. the ability to get off the ship in different ports. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and those type of things kind of concern me. So I would much rather just go, and I really like the idea in general of the position I had where I get to rehearse in Tampa, live my life on land, go to a ship for two weeks, install the show, see some ports in the free time, and then get to either go back home or go back to Tampa to keep doing yeah. what I was doing. And to me, that sounds really, really appealing. Yeah, yeah so, I agree. And then like do another ship and like go somewhere else. So we'll see. We're waiting. You know, with these three ships going right now, there's only three stage manager jobs with those contracts and one assistant job. So it's not really a ton of work and the pool of stage managers and people are very large as well as cast. So I think if the United States ports open, uh, the call will come much sooner for myself. Yeah. Yeah. So we wait, but like certainly it's felt like, oh, you know, last time it was like by July, I'll be back. Yeah. By Christmas, Mm -hmm. I'll be back. Yeah. By New Year's. But at a certain point, it was very clear that it would not be until this summer. Yeah. Which it looks like it might be late summer, early fall. 
So Until we got a new president. Yeah. So that was COVID. A little bit of a long summary of some of my productions and things I did post college. Yeah. Yeah. God, Brig, you're now like an I've, inspiration. I don't know about yeah. that by any means. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Well, I'm kidding? very flattered that you say that. But yeah. so we're see. I uh, am looking forward to returning in some capacity to the cruise lines. Or to yeah. Norwegian sometime soon because I was really enjoying, I was really enjoying the pay and the lifestyle and the yeah. benefits that come with working for a big co- corporate company. So, yeah, well, it I, sounds like you like speak very highly of the company. Thank you. So, I also yeah. really miss the group of people I was working with a lot. Yeah. So yeah, we had a lot of fun and shenanigans in our days off, and so mm. from like go karting just tell, to going out like... and drinking, we had a great time. It sounds like your second stint so. in Florida was a lot better than your first. So. It was. It was much better. The second time around was so much better. Yeah. So. Yeah. Also, I was not there in, like, the hot heat of, like, this late That's summer. That's true. So. I, and then I was like, oh, man, I'm going to be back in Florida this summer uh, in the hot heat. But I'll still take it. I'll take it, you know? Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, so, yeah. Other, what other questions do you all have written down? I've gone on now for, like, an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> Well, I think our big question, correct me if I'm wrong, Brenna, is sort of like, um, what do you wish you had known like five years ago? Oh, no. (laughs) What would you tell your younger self? That could be your... (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if I would tell myself, but overall, I feel I've always been very driven and I'm very impressed that I've always known what I wanted to do. Maybe not mm-hmm. directly what exactly aspect I wanted. I have always known it was theater. And it was, like, yeah. the entertainment industry. Like, that that was where I was going to be. And I guess I'm very proud that, like... That I've, I have seen and come across a lot of people, even now from college, that they're... Draw, like, it's... Oh, well, like, this... I'm going back to school for something else now. Because I didn't really make mm-hmm. it with my degree. Or it gets too hard because... It's, it's such an industry is about contacts and like knowing the right people and like there being an independent contractor is every day is a hustle mm-hmm. and I am always interviewing for a new job while I'm at a job yeah and like I'm constantly searching for jobs and it's a very different aspect than general people who are like yeah I go into the office or I log into my zoom meeting and I work from home and this is my job until I decide that I want to be promotion or I'm not happy with it where like I have to do these interviews every like every job posting I'm interviewing you know the hard work that goes behind that's never seen of like the hustle the real hustle yeah and that like yeah. you are going to be hustling for the rest of your life if this is what you want to do mm-hmm. so or at least until retirement until retirement till I go down Back to such what what is my what is my dad he says like Happy Dale Farms or whatever in Florida oh gosh like old people's home. <sighs> Yeah, I am so excited to go see a show that you've contributed to. Thank you. Like I, that is on the top of my post-COVID bucket list. Oh, thank you. That's very sweet. I'm very excited. I'm looking at or have interest in making the move to New York City, and I was definitely mm-hmm. that was part of the motivation of the cruise line was save up some money for an apartment, and then like you know the world ended. Yeah. Sort of. Mm-hmm. So that's on yeah. pause for a little bit, but we'll see. I still th- we'll I see. still see that happening for you. We'll for see. Sure. I, I'd like to. Um, it seems like I have a, <laughs> I have a job for the summer. I'm waiting about to hear about some other opportunities as well. Okay. The one job is actually, my contract has been offered to me that I had last summer, 
at a theme park, Ooh. which we won't name and go into because I don't know sure. if I'm going to be following through with that contract or not, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Still waiting to get the contract sent to me, actually. So we'll see. I definitely, there's stuff on the horizon. There's hope. Theater's slowly coming back. It'll be the fall, I think, for New York City. So okay. we're What do you there. think about when is when are tours going to start again, do you think? Tours are going to start in the fall, and rehearsals okay. are going to start late summer. It's been announced. Uh, it's very interesting to see, like, places that, like, uh, the Roadhouse Theaters, like Deepak, have announced mm-hmm. their t- new tour dates and stuff prior to what I hear any of the company members or cast have been contacted about returning. So yeah. I will say it's very interesting that some of the companies clearly have been given the go-ahead by the producers to, like, mm-hmm. reschedule some dates and whatnot, but tours will be going by the fall, I think, for sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, we can look at... You can look at all the shows that have now opened in Australia, from Moulin Rouge to mm-hmm. Come From Away to okay. Frozen that are all currently making it work and they don't have tons of vaccines but they're wearing face masks and they're socially distancing and they of course have the unique situation that they handled the virus much better than our country did but it's very it's very jealous and hard to watch and see their packed theaters and shows open while we wait here for probably what will be the fall for broadway yeah i know i've missed it i mean that's like such a big part of my family's social life is going to shows the biggest blessing in disguise has been that I did not take my union membership and have enough points to have joined and put it off and mm-hmm. require and ask for the two years extension to join. And so therefore I don't have to follow or do union contracts, which might in this yeah. time currently are very limiting people as well as people are still being asked. They were just asked the other day. They sent out, hi, we would like our dues. And people are very angry by that because Ooh. they've been so strict with their rules. And so to be asking for dues from yeah. their members is a bold uh, time to be doing yeah. that with people's Jesus. financial situations. So thankful I don't have that bill. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so many blessings. Christ. I think I, I was building up to an outro about doing a revisit. We said so a revamp, a revamp of revisit when Sprig has yes. got a job for the summer and is gainfully employed other than Starbucks. Although I do like Starbucks. Yeah. And then you can write a musical about your time at Starbucks. I yeah. won't be And then I'll be like full circle. Okay, I'll write a musical. I'll write a musical about your time at Starbucks, and then you you can stage manage it. Okay, sure. Something like that. And then it'll tour on all the I won't be stage managing. I'll be, like, directing it at that point. Okay, yes, because you'll be (laughs) elevating. This is your career trajectory. I'll take photos. Sounds good. Excellent. There we go. Brenna can get the uh, Broadway.com professional recording contract of it. There we go. There we go. I need equipment that'll handle low light. So So you see people... We have so many plans and so many places we're going. And honestly, I don't want to get mushy, but like, I'm so inspired by both of these people and all the places they're going. And I can't wait to see them succeed. And yeah, thank you guys for talking with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm so flattered for being invited. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you liked the episode, feel free to give us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform of choice. You can follow us on Twitter at Obsessed Naturally or email us at anobsessivenature at gmail.com. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah, I, I hope you also cut out the part where you cough directly into the microphone. Ugh! <clears throat> Ugh! <clears throat>